Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and don't be afraid. Just remember what I taught you and trust your instincts. My name is Matt, and this is the Clone Wars. <laughs> it is. It is. That's that's that, that's just funny. It's like imagine like like uh, storming Normandy. Like this is World War Two instead of like just just referring to it by the the uh, the name given to it uh, later. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your your quote is also an Ahsoka quote, right? Um. Yes. It is. Uh. It is from Anakin. Oh, whoops! I marked the wrong one off. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought it would be good. And plus, I have a bunch in in my queue just in case I get lazy and don't can't think of one. All right. Before we get much further, we should tell everybody what we're doing today. Um, we are still doing Clone Wars. This is our twenty fourth episode covering Clone Wars, and today we're covering Storm over Ryloth, which is season one, episode nineteen. Uh, originally aired in February 27th, 2009. That is shockingly close to my 29th birthday. Um, man, I, I wish I could talk to that guy. <laughs> Guess what, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, what was I... Yeah, I was just... Ugh, it's still my first job. My first my first big boy job, and my, my wife was pregnant. And I hit... And I hate it. I mean, I loved my life. Um, 2009, I got my PhD. Not quite yet. In February, it wasn't in February, but we we moved to DC in August of that year. Well, la ti da. Yeah, I've been here forever. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is sort of a cool recording, though, because this is January 2nd. Happy New Year, Jamie. Happy New Year, Doctor. (laughs) Yeah, that's appropriate. Um, Did you do any Star Wars this week? Um, No, no. Come to think of it, I did. No, I did. I, um, uh, Disney Plus, they have a thing called, it's like Sabine's Lothcat. It's just, it's just Sabine's Lothcat just laying there sleeping. And there's music like a webcam sort of thing kind or of yeah supposed to be like one of those nature cams yeah it's just this is laying there on a table so i suppose you just play it on like repeat or something so instead of like um like one of those i don't know when it came out but i guess you could use it instead of like the um the, the perpetual like fake fire on the tv you got the yule log loop mm-hmm. yeah so that was really the only thing i did which is actually quite surprising. Did you did you do anything fun for New Year's Eve? No, um, no. That's a uh, we uh, we got invited by some friends to go out. Who are they're, they're okay with their kids staying home on New Year's Eve alone, but we aren't. We aren't quite no, not quite, quite not quite there yet. Yeah, so we just stayed in. We made a bunch of appetizers and. Um, other food, and then I was forced to watch the New Year's Rock and Eve, just slowly seething inside. And then if I try to escape, then, then it's like, "Where's Daddy? Where's Daddy? Come watch! Like it's on!" And I'm like, 
I'm supposed to cherish these moments. Supposed yeah. to. Yeah, we had a bunch of people over to the house. Not a bunch, but we had, there's basically two families that have kids the exact same age as my kids. And so six boys, right? All 12 and 13 or eight and seven, right? Mm-hmm. So, so three at one age group and three at the other age group. And all of the husbands were busy. One's a cop, and so he was just working because he works every chance he gets. And one um, has a side gig as an Irish in an Irish band, and he was playing at some bar in a local city, a nearby city. But by nearby, I mean he was like forty-five minutes away. And so these two women and their children didn't have husbands, fathers to hang out with on New Year's, and so my wife's like, "Oh, just I'll hang out at my house." So I had six children, three women, in in my house with me. Wow! And so I just built a big fire in the fireplace, put a bunch of cookies and cold cuts on the table, um, opened a couple of bottles of wine, and put out a couple six packs of beer and a bottle of whiskey, and then went and played chess in my room for two hours with a couple of beers on my phone until. My wife came up and asked if I was hiding. I was like, no, I came up here to take a shit. <laughs> Two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> when you told me that like, that she was throwing a party with her friends and you were prepping everything, I, I thought of that Offspring song, the, the uh, self-esteem. The more you suffer, the more it shows you care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Or that that other time you you were you, you were upset so you said so you said that you were gonna do something and then I I sent you the the meme of Bart uh, scrubbing the scrubbing stairs. stairs for Jessica. <laughs> Just think, wow. My love language is service. Yeah. And so I show people I care about them by doing things for them. But I don't always have to participate in the outcomes of those things. See, you're 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 lucky in in, in that regard. I have to. Um, I think I think you just need to renegotiate. <laughs> I've had multiple conversations with people about like like I'm not claiming my my marriage is like the healthiest relationship ever. I know it's not, but people like complain about a lot of stuff about their spouse and just like like just insist on stuff, right? Like. Like, my spouse insists on me all the time, right? I mean, like, <laughs> like reasonable people respond reasonably to reasonable requests. And yeah. if, you're not, if you're not in a reasonable relationship, maybe that's the problem. Well, or a um, relationship with a reasonable person, I should say. And I'm not make, I'm not casting any judgment on your relationship, so I know. No, it's, it's more of like my the in-laws. My in-laws will get, um, they will get offended and they'll wonder like do i hate them what's what's wrong it's like and it's just like and i finally told her like if they haven't figured out that i like them after 14 15 years of marriage then that's that's on them yeah like oh you're here and okay we're done eating i'm gonna go upstairs and play xbox right it's yeah and take a nap on the couch maybe yeah, you can't you can't control other people's expectations of you mm-hmm. that's that's part of my own Mental health journey. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, did, 
uh, not to get off track and turn this into a marriage counseling Star Wars podcast, but um, what's kind of what uh, Star Wars, if any, did you do? Um, yeah, so I'm almost done with that Eye of Darkness book. I I almost finished it today. Then I got sidetracked doing notes for our show. Um, I think I only have 30 minutes left. So. Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I always tell myself that I'm only going to listen to books when I when I run in the morning, uh, and then any other time if I'm tra- um, traveling or walking the dog, I listen to podcasts. But sometimes it's books that are just so good you just can't you can't stop, especially audiobooks. And like a lot of times, Star Wars books are, are like that, where it's just like it's just like I can't help it, and I just plow through it. Yeah, I I got like that with this where I think it was two or three days ago. I was like, I'm just going to, like I had maybe four or five hours left. I was like, I'm just going to put my headphones in and do chores and power through. Um, it's a very good book. There's some really cool stuff in this book. Um, and we already talked about the fallen Jedi that pals around with Yoda in this one. And I didn't think I'd ever get a story that involved one of the fallen um, that wasn't Dooku or Trennis, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I want to know more about this guy. Apparently, he makes some appearances in some comics, so I'm going to go find those and dig them up. Um, so I, I'm almost done with that book. I'll definitely yeah. finish it tomorrow what, morning. What, 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 and what was his name? Do you remember? It was uh, it was something like Aslan or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. He was in. He was at the Battle of Dalna. Aslan Rel. Harry. Oh yeah. Okay. Aslan Rel was his name. And he he appears in the High Republic Phase Two, which is the prequel, in the Path of Deceit, and Path of Vengeance, and then he starts showing up in Phase Three, which is 130 years later, and he's kept himself alive using dark side powers of the Force, and is excommunicated from the Jedi for it. Um, so. Apparently he is going to be in future books as well. Tears of, he's listed in Wikipedia as appearing in Tears of the Nameless, which doesn't come out until September of 2024. So we're going to get a lot more of him. Very happy about that. Yeah, he's very um, he's a very uh, interesting character, and I, li- I like the fact that he's like um, um, yeah that, that he's um, just okay. Anybody who hasn't listened to the book, he's like like he's a Jedi who uses the dark. He's he's excommunicated from the Jedi, but he's not Sith, and he's not like against the Jedi. He's just he's kind of just he's kind he's kind of a bit of he's an apostate to them, but he's not a bad person. Yeah, he's not evil. He's just doing something they disagree with, mm-hmm. and and so and and what he's doing to dis- that they disagree with is that he's artificially extended his life. Um, and he's done it because he was traumatized by the nameless creatures. So you want to? I just recommend the book. I think just about everything in the book is wrapped up for me at this point. But I'm sure they're setting up the next story in the, in the last 30, 40 minutes of the book. So no spoilers still. But I will definitely finish it tomorrow. The only other thing I've done Star Wars really this week, other than watch this show, is well. A couple of episodes ago, maybe four or five episodes ago from this recording. Actually, I can tell right now because I have it up. It was in um, the Gun Gun General, which was the episode released on December 20th. Um, so that would have been, I guess, five or six episodes ago. 
six episodes ago, um, I talked about that comic book, that expensive comic, expensive comic book of all of the shorts that appear in front of um, season one of Clone Wars. I bought that book. I found a copy for not an outrageous price, but like I told you, I'm pulling up on my spending right now. So I'm spending a lot of money. Um, but I did buy that, and so I added that to my collection today. Or not today, but it came a few days ago. It is not the version that has the posters in it. I couldn't find a version of that that was less than $800. And that is way too much. I'm I'm planning on going to a the ICCC convention in Nashville, and so I need to cool my Star Wars spending so I can justify buying something expensive there. <laughs> but that's that's in October, so hopefully we'll talk about that when when I'm there or when we get closer. Um, so I've been doing... I got that book, and then I've been painting some custom action figures I had printed by a 3D printer person I know from social media. I pay him to print glipshittos and things, and I now have an unpainted, complete... Clone Wars Hut Council, which is cool. Right on. So the boys and I are going to paint the huts, and then I have the Hut Twins from the Book of Boba Fett, their litter, and 20 slaves to carry the litter. And so I was sending you photos today of me painting the slaves during my meetings. I was trapped in meetings all day. That I didn't have to especially pay attention to after my part was done, but I couldn't leave. So... I will post photos of my progress painting these figures uh, on our Twitter feeds. Um, so if people want to see them, go to Twitter and like and re- review the show. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? No. No, I'm, right. I'm good. Do you just want to get into the episode? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So today, like I said, we're covering Clone Wars uh, Storm over Ryloth, Season 1, Episode 19. Uh, Up at the top, I like to talk about some um, cast or people in production. Today I've got two people. Um, One is, first one is Tim Brock. And he plays the voice of the medical droid uh, TB2 in this episode, as well as TB2 in the episode Rising Malevolence. Um, we covered that back a ways. But he plays the medical droid in both of those. Th- those are his only Star Wars credits, um, is playing the voice of the medical droid. Because he's normally in the art department, and he's worked as a storyboard and concept artist on 14 episodes of Clone Wars in the first season. He stops working for Star Wars after the first season, but he... He did the concept art for, like, Lair of Grievous and a bunch of other episodes. Um, if you go to his IMDb, he's worked on Spawn, the Spawn cartoon, the cartoon drawn together. Did you ever see that cartoon? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Curious George, Halloween Boo Fest. Um, these two roles in Clone Wars are his only acting credit, except for the role in the role of the murderer in the 2011 short film The Magic Murderer, which is a four-minute short, student short, about a killer who somehow uses the newspaper report of the murder he's about to commit to stage the murder. It's a pretty Poe, like Edgar Allan Poe-esque plot, 
Um, and I watched it tonight because I was curious, and it is on Vimeo. It's well shot and everything, but he plays the murderer who's on screen for about two seconds. And so he he comes in and shoots this guy. It's a four-minute short, so I'm not giving anything away. I think the premise is sort of like that show Early Edition where the guy gets the newspaper 24 hours earlier and knows what crimes will be committed and tries to stop them. I never watched the show. I don't know what the premise is, but that's my understanding. Um, but he's basically an artist. Uh, and the other shows he's worked on are Eon Flux or Aeon Flux. Did you ever watch that show? Um, is that the one that was on um, Liquid Television? It was like on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like the anime buxom leather clad assassin femme fatale yeah it had very um it had a very like unique uh uh art style similar similar to what you would see well not similar to like to what you to what they had in like um the holiday special or the like the the, like nirvana stuff where it's very angular um it's like wizards yeah Showing our age, but or like heavy metal, a little bit, yeah, like heavy, someplace in between there. Yeah, with all like heavy metal because of all the like the the showing of the uh, like n- not showing cleavage, but showing pretty much everything but cleavage and right, <laughs> but cleavage. That's a new term or, or not? And just um, just very skimpy outfits that I know no woman would actually ever wear, other than for a. Uh, if somebody paid them to. There was some sophomoric male fantasy about what a woman femme fatale is, is, is Ian Flex running around in like a thong and pasties, shooting shooting bad guys and catching flies with her eyelashes. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, the beginning of Ian Flex shows a fly getting caught in her eyelashes because she's pinching it. Anyway, so he worked on that. Uh, he also worked on Futurama for several episodes and he's He's worked on Marvel animation projects like Guardians of the Galaxy. So, great job getting a speaking part on a couple episodes of Clone Wars. Maybe we can have him on the show. Yeah. He did a he did a talking part. Any questions about Tim? No. All right, so the other person I wanted to highlight today was the writer of this episode, and his name is George Kerstick. That's not a typo. His name is spelled K-R-S-T-I-C. So, let me know how to pronounce that, please. Um, so he worked on three episodes of Clone Wars as the writer and in the art department on several episodes. Uh, George does most of his work on Transformers, though, and he was the writer and producer of the 2020-21 series uh, Transformers War for Cybertron. I don't keep up with Transformers, but I love them as a kid. Yeah, I've seen some of the newer ones. Um, they're all right. Um, seen them either through my kids or just being bored. I'm just like skipping through stuff that looks semi-interesting. Cool. Yeah, he he's written on three or four episodes or three or four series of Transformers in the past like ten years, and so if you've seen a new one, he's probably worked on it. Um, but he was also the writer, one of the head writers for a cartoon series, cartoon series called Motor City, where a fictitious futuristic Detroit which is an elevated metropolis built over old Detroit, classified as Detroit Deluxe. 
It is owned by the evil billionaire Abraham Kane. I will learn how to speak soon. (laughs) And Abraham Kane was played by Mark Hamill. Hmm. I have a clip of him. You know, I've been looking for you. This is just the sort of special Kane comb moment you want to share with the people you love. Dad, let go. Come on, this is fun. Motor City is ours. Fun? Anyway. I, I was just going through IMDb, and I like to click on the shows that they're best known for and see if there's any connection to Star Wars, and this is one of Mark Hamill's VO jobs. And that villain does sound a lot like Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. It um, it certainly does. You have any comments about Motor City? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, watch, I didn't watch a whole episode. I just watched a couple clips of Abraham Kane. Um, all right, well, that's it for the cast and crew today. Um, do you want to get into the episode? Um, yeah, let's um, let's do it. Sorry, I'm just trying to find anything about it, and it's not showing up. But that's well, all right. Motor City? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know how popular it was. It's got a relatively high rating on IMDb, but I don't know how many episodes there were. I was, I was doing two words. Oh, there we go. Oh, uh, it has the one, um, the one girl. Uh, she's Kate Micucci. She's part of. Um, oh, what's the something? Garfunkel and Oates. Oh the, right. The uh, the, uh, the comedy duo. Yeah, I like I like her. She's also she's done a lot of Scooby Doo and played the super shy girlfriend on um, Big Bang for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's fun. Cool. All right. All right, ready to go? Move on? Yes, let's do it. All right, I'm doing the plot summary this week. It's my turn. The fortune cookie this week is, it is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. We'll get into that later. All right, so the newsreel of print says, the planet Ryloth has been invaded. Separatists are laying siege, led by Wat Tambor. The Republic decides to break the siege, and the job falls to Anakin and Ahsoka to wage an orbital fight so Obi-Wan can run a ground assault. So, order of operations. Destroy the blockade and then get troops on the ground. Mm-hmm. All right, so we open up, and there's droid ships in orbit, those big ships from Phantom Menace, like the blockade around Naboo. A Nemoidian named Martuk uh, reports to Wat Tambor. He tells Tambor that they will maintain the blockade and the Republic doesn't stand a chance. Uh, just then, Yularen drops out of hyperspace with a group of three cruisers. Ahsoka's in her Jedi starfighter with an astromech called R7. It's the first appearance of R7. She says that her first this is her first time commanding a squadron. She hopes she doesn't make any mistakes. Anakin come by, comes by to encourage her and tell her not to be nervous. He has faith in her, but the lives of her men are her responsibility. This just makes her nervous. Yeah. Um, after having seen the um, the Shadow Warrior episode of Ahsoka, it's, she really is a kid. She's, what, like 14, 15, supposed to be? 15 at the oldest. Yeah, I... My, my, my son's fourteen and a half, and I and some of her, some of his friends, are fifteen. I can't imagine them being putting them in a scenario where they are a in charge of people, other than like say like other Boy Scouts, 
and um and like in like in battle charge people's lives it's just it's nuts to think about um and and it's i don't know did you, is it something that lucas ever thought about that like that the that the jedi are putting children into battle um uh, do you want to talk about this now <laughs> because i have like i like the clip that i was spooling up before we, let's just do it now okay was the clip from ahsoka the battle's not over yet there are more separatist droids approaching the second battle in episode five of ahsoka is this battle it's this episode mm-hmm. where she says stuff like is there a like, problem we lost so many there's always a price to be paid it was my fault. They were following my orders. I got them killed. This is war, Ahsoka. As Jedi, it's our job to lead. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. They're talking about this episode. Yeah. They're talking about this exact battle in this scene. And this is this is super to your point about it's easy to gloss over that in a cartoon it's like, oh, she's a little kid. They make her like tiny. Like the act the actor who plays Ahsoka does a wonderful job just showing like how traumatic this was for her. And yeah, they're charging like young teenage children with waging this war for them. And the, this whole conversation, we don't have to play the whole thing. Just go watch that episode again. Cause it holds up so well. And it's one of the best things they've ever done in my opinion. But like they're talking about this episode of Clone Wars just really really tied it in for me yeah and then uh just anakin's just like yeah people die who cares whatever reminds me so, how my sister used to talk when like they would find like a dead cat or something on the farm you're like yeah whatever it's a dead cat yeah it's dehuman it's dehumanizing right and and we'll talk there this this the funny thing is is i was watching clips from that episode and comparing the dialogue that they put in that episode to the dialogue in this episode. And they, they don't show the exact same scenes, um, but the, the conversation is very similar, and there's a lot of similar language in between Ahsoka and Anakin in the two different um, episodes. Uh, but I also found out that this episode almost got totally rewritten to hit this point even harder. We'll talk about that at the end, I think. Cause okay. But yeah, they they made a lot of changes to this episode to make it harder on Ahsoka. All right. Um, Yeah, so Anakin tells her he has faith in her, but the lives of her men are her responsibility. She takes off with the V-Wings. The clones with her get named. They get name-checked, and I like to do this. Cool names. Kickback, Swoop, Slammer, Axe, and Tucker. Yeah. Puke Spray. Kickbacks is uh, a good... um... That's a good uh, name for uh, somebody who's serving under the degenerate gambler named Anakin Skywalker. There you go. <laughs> I was hoping we would keep this going. Um, but are they actually V-Wings? Cause I, I, thought... I meant to look that up. What are they? Can you check? Because I didn't think they were. They're just bombers. Um, Later we have Y-Wings. So, yeah. So, I see, like, doing a Google search. Oh, v- see, V-19 Torrent. This is one of the things that was on my list of things to check because I wrote down V wings and was like, I don't think that's right. A fast, maneuverable starfighter, the V nineteen saw service during the Clone Wars in battles above planets such as Teth and Ryloth. The craft's blaster cannons, concussion missiles gave it a formidable 
Weapons complement many of its technologies were later adapted for the V-Wing fighter. V-19s were tricky to fly, as the bounty hunter Cad Bane discovered when he stole one to escape the Jedi cruiser Resolute. Oops, sorry, spoiler. But Thanks, you were in that episode. <laughs> yeah, but they're... It said that they were bombers. Or... So they're, v, they're V-19, so that's that's the right designation. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. They're not V-Wings, they're V-19s. Um, I think I might call them V-Wings one other time. I'll see if I catch myself. All right, so the ships pour out of the cruiser and head for the blockade. Martuk orders all fighters launched. Anakin tells Yularen to tell Ahsoka. <laughs> Anakin's on the bridge. He tells Yularen to tell Ahsoka that they are clear of the fleet and free to engage. Ahsoka, Ahsoka orders Axe to hold back as they fly into the massive droid fighters. A bunch of vulture droids are coming right at them. They're making progress. There's lots of radio traffic. Very chaotic. Uh, Martuk realizes that Skywalker is leading the attack. From He recognizes the ship. The droid reports that they're approaching fast. Tuk says to wait. Um, Ahsoka orders the fighters to engage the battleship in orbit. They have a clear path. Martuk says it's time for their reinforcements, and several battleships, these separatist frigates, drop out of hyperspace near the um, control ship and join the battle. Um, Yularen and Anakin radio to Ahsoka that this is a trap. They need to get out of there. Ahsoka says she can handle it. She's ordered to return with her squadron. She ignores the order. This is sort of setting up fall here Mm -hmm. any comment on the space battle so far uh no it's um i think it's well done i like um there's actually like a first person scene of i think it's of ahsoka flying you just see the the um laser bolts plasma bolts whatever you want to call it like shooting at the different ships yeah it's really fun Mm -hmm. good camera work all right so uh ahsoka is trying to communicate with her squad but they're surrounded the Republic is outnumbered. Anakin orders her to return again, because now the cruisers are taking fire. Yularen orders to intensify the deflectors. There are too many fighters. A clone in sort of the pit on the Star Destroyer, or the cruiser, says that they can't shoot them down fast enough. The vulture droid crashes into the bridge. Yeah. Uh, I'd say this is very much like a um, mirror of what happens to the uh, executor in return of the Jedi. And what's, what does the executor and this cruiser have in common? They're both the flagship of Anakin. Ah, yeah. So it's the, in the return of the Jedi, is it an a wing that hits the executor? Yeah. Yeah. So he says like, like intensify intensify forward batteries. I don't want anything getting through. Yeah. It's too late. So the difference is, is here, the ship, doesn't totally penetrate the bridge, but Yularen is injured, and, and Anakin runs. Um, Anakin runs to Yularen, and Yularen, sort of in his last breath, says, uh, "Jump into hyperspace, get us out of here." Uh, Anakin calls to the bombers and orders them to dock with the ship so they can jump. And then Martuk decides not to push the attack any further. He doesn't want to launch more ships, but Axe is still shot down, and only a few fighters make it back to the ship as the cruisers jump into hyperspace. I do like them losing every once in a while. I mm-hmm. think it's important to show these people are a threat, right? And I do like the Return of the Jedi stuff where it's a trap and and the um, the vulture droid hitting the bridge. Very, very fun space battle. 
All right, on the other side of hyperspace, the cruisers are burning. There's three cruisers. They're all on fire. Anakin tells Ahsoka she needs to do a head count to, to measure her casualties, and then he dresses her down for disobeying orders. Go ahead. Oh, um, well, no, I was going to let you finish. Okay. Well, Ahsoka's upset with how many men she lost. Anakin says, take heart. That's the reality of command. Rex comes to report that they're approaching uh, their that they're approaching their staging area. The the take heart, that's reality of command, is the quote I left in here from this conversation because it's very close to what they say in episode five of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. It's very close to their exchange. It's as close as it gets. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of briefly glossed over, but she's just like, uh, she says to him, like, you, you disobey all the time. And it's true. And he kind of has like a, just a bullshit excuse why it's bad, it's it's okay for him to do it, but it's bad for her to do it. Um, guess because like she fucked up and, and like it wasn't successful. But if she was successful, then would you dress her down so so much? But it's very hypocritical because his character and even like Obi Wan's character to to lesser extent, they're always um, he, they're just making they're making up. Uh, shit on the fly disobeying orders yeah i i totally agree and i didn't like i didn't like that line um when i heard it and we'll talk about this a little bit later but this this whole argument was added late um to the script so maybe it just wasn't thought out well enough Mm -hmm. rex is reporting to anakin and he says windu wants to report on their progress anakin says that'll be easy they've made no progress he wants a casualty and damage report and while he's talking with rex ahsoka sneaks away She's clearly upset and hard on herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go back to Wat Tambor, who's calling Martuk on the phone. He gets an update on the battle. Wat Tambor is impressed and says he shouldn't underestimate Skywalker. Martuk asks for all of the footage on Anakin's squads. Doing his homework. Anakin reports to Windu, tells him they'd lost a cruiser. He reports about the tactics employed by uh, Martuk. He lost an entire squad of fighters. Windu says that Anakin has one more day to break the blockade, or they will have to postpone the invasion. They hang up, and Rex is sent to get Ahsoka. She is missing. Uh, any comment? Um, yeah, it just seems a little like, why can't they just send more? Um, yeah, I don't understand why, <laughs> why they're not all there just supporting this battle. Yeah. Because they do show up at some point when everything is done. They're like, oh, cool, the battle's over, we can come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing I've never understood about Star Wars or just, like, other things. Like, there's a whole plan. I can I can understand, kind of get behind the whole, like, hyperspace lanes. They're, they're like um, they're like highways. There's yeah, they're just, certain... they're just the interstate system, right? You can't If you have to use the interstate, you ha- you, you're limited on where you can go, right? Yeah, so you get out, so they put um, – so you – so you put your ships right where they would be coming out of hyperspace, but it's not like they've got the entire planet blockaded. Why can't they just go around? Yeah, I think we've had this conversation with the um, the submarine episode. Do you remember that episode? Yes. Where you had the clo- cloaking ship that looked like the carrion spike. Mm-hmm. We talked about it then. It has to just be like a story shorthand, right? Maybe they just don't show us everything that's going on, and like I don't know, like when you. It could just be like high ground rules, right? When you have the high ground, you have a better perspective on the battle. And so if you're 
in orbit around the planet, you're just in control of the planet, mm-hmm. right? Because like everybody approaching you, you can always move to be in their way. Like I'm not going to hand wave any more than that. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. say it's definitely possible to blockade a planet, even mm-hmm. if well, even if the tactic we see doesn't appear to be effective. I'm just going to give it to them. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Um, Rex finds Ahsoka in the med bay with Yularen. Yularen's unconscious, but Ahsoka's sort of giving him the debrief anyway. Um, she turns around and reports to Anakin, who's in the hangar, filling with a ship. Yeah. I thought this was going to pay off. I didn't understand what he was doing. Yeah. Um, you notice that I didn't realize that it didn't it didn't come to me until you mentioned that like this they replayed the scene in Ahsoka with just some random clone because she takes his, in this episode, she takes Yularen's hand and she's oh, apologizing. Yeah. And then in the Ahsoka episode, she just like sits, I think she sits or squats next to a random clone, just holds his hand. Yeah, that was happening in the episode, in the clip I was playing you. But our mistakes cost lives. That doesn't bother you? Of course it does. This isn't what I trained for. You must adjust to the times. Look, when Obi-Wan taught me we were keepers of the peace, to win this war, I have to teach you to be a soldier. Yeah, so she's she's holding a clone's hand during this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'll stop playing that clip. Well, I'll just finish it up, because that way I won't be tempted. Is that all I'll have to teach my own Padawan one day? How to fight? Do you even want a Padawan? You know, teaching's not always cracked up to be. All right. That's that's the clip I had loaded up. Yeah. <laughs> I won't play it anymore. That's such a good episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have to do a live-action Clone Wars, um, but if they did, I would watch the shit out of it. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so she's in the med bay with Yularen. He's unconscious. She is told to go to Anakin. Anakin's fiddling with a ship in the hangar for no reason. Anakin tells her that Windu wants them to try again to break the blockade. She's upset that they're being sent back, and so she argues with Anakin and says he's being irresponsible. Anakin gets mad, scolds her, and then sends her to her room. (laughs) It's a very apparent moment. Yeah. Um, Then Rex calls Anakin and says there's something wrong with the Defender. Um, I do like this setup line from Rex. Because I, I honestly, when I watched it for the first time, I was like, like I don't remember how, how he gets away with this. And then when Rex comes up and says, there's something wrong with the Defender, I'm like, oh, I remember. <laughs> so we go back to Martuk, and he's done reviewing Skywalker's records. Uh, he believes Anakin will try to attack again. So we smash cut back to the cruisers, and clones are running to a hangar. Uh, one of the passing clones tells Ahsoka that the cruiser Defender is being evacuated. No one knows why. Ahsoka catches up to Anakin. She asks what's what's happening. He told her that after their argument, he decided to use the Defender to ram into the control ship. He will pilot the cruiser into the control ship and eject at the last minute. He really browbeats her here and basically puts her on the spot and says that she's in charge while he's on the Defender. So Rex turns to her and says, what are your orders? And she says, I'll be on the bridge. She's very uncomfortable in this moment. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done what you need to do as a commanding officer or a supervisor or or someone in a position of power. He hasn't actually given her like the feedback she needs to understand what her responsibility in, in the mistake was. Right. So she's she has no confidence that she's not going to immediately make the same mistake. 
this is a huge error by Anakin, yeah. and it's really gross. Yeah, it's um, the, we teach scouts the thing called the edge method, where you explain, you demonstrate, you guide, and then you enable them. He's just going straight to enable. Without... Exactly. I used when I when I would teach kids and when I would teach students in laboratories, my rule was: you watch me do it, I watch you do it, and then you do it. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't just say like, like, here's a protocol of how to generate a clone. All right. See you later. I'm going to go hit the break room. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on my, I gotta go, I gotta go take, smoke a cigarette. Right. You got this right. That's shitty. Yeah. That, that just sets people up for failure. Right. You watch me do it. I watch you do it. Do it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's sort of like what you're describing the edge. Mm -hmm. Right. He's skipping to the end of this and she doesn't want to do it. That's the other thing. Like you have to be, your people have to be willing participants because it just it just breeds incompetence, resentment, and incompetence, right? Like she's not a willing participant in this conversation. It's really bad. Yeah. All right. Um. So Rex just tells everyone to get back to work because she doesn't give an order. Back on on the bridge, they go over the plan. Anakin is overconfident. Um, so we we smash over to Wat Tambor and Martuk. Wat Tambor says Republic forces are spread thin in this area and doubts that they would attack Ryloth again. Martuk says he believes Anakin will attack again because uh, Martuk has been studying Anakin. And it's suggested that Martuk actually admires how bold Anakin is. So back on the cruisers, um, Anakin is now in the Defender. And the clones are going over the plan Anakin formulated, and they don't have a lot of faith. There's specifically, it's Rex and a clone that's in sort of a... It's a Navy uh, uniform, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's uniforms they wear on the cruisers, right? It's not a, it's no armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that uniform on them, by the way. I think it, I love that that class of clone exists. Um, were you going to say something? No. Um, so the Defender, so they're... They don't have a lot of faith in the plan. So the Defender drops out of hyperspace in the Ryloth system. Martuk is excited for the battle, but Anakin immediately gets on the radio and surrenders. This is a a gambit of his. He says that his cruiser, that he will surrender himself, his cruiser, and his crew if they will allow a relief mission to the surface. Martuk likes this idea since it will make him famous among Separatists as the guy who captured Anakin Skywalker. Um, Martuk doesn't realize if you capture Anakin Skywalker, he's not locked in there. <laughs> you, you're locked in there with him. Yeah. <laughs> good, wa- good watching reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. So back on the cruiser, Ahsoka is still going over the tactics um, with the clones, and they're sort of this clone in the Navy uniform uh, is sort of undermining Ahsoka unintentionally. And then she suggests a new tactical strategy where they use the underside of the hull as a shield for the bombers. Um, so the bombers will have time to build up enough speed to get to their attack runs against the frigates, basically drawing the enemy in closer so they can't retreat. The clones continue to debate how they might need more time. Ahsoka starts to get more aggressive and says they don't have time because Anakin's already in the battle doing this stupid plan. And then Yularen shows up with a head bandage and everything. 
and he, he supports Ahsoka's plan, and the clones fall in line. Yeah, I I I, lo- I um I really like the the initial like uh, where they're just like um, because she's not super confident in it or aggressive about it. They're just like, well, I don't know this, or maybe we should do something else, whatever. Like, if you've ever had underlings and you don't like show like like if you're not like decisive. There's always going to be that one who's just like, well, we could do something else. Or like, and you have to be able to just tell them, like, shut up. This is what we're doing. So I, I just yeah, like I that mean, they included that. It's the whole power abhors vacuum thing. <laughs> and this clone clearly senses that she's insecure. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. he's not offering solutions to the problem. He's just like, he's like, yeah, I guess we're trapped. Right? I guess this sucks. And that sucks too, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I, I love, yes, this meeting could have been an email sort of thing because <laughs> she's not actually soliciting their input. And she's like, actually, we're just going to do this. But we're going to talk about this scene in, in the production stuff too. Um, all right, so back with Martuk, a battle droid reports that the cruiser is damaged, that there's only one life form on board. Um, and so Martuk starts to yell at Anakin. He replies that he can still have his ship, and Anakin orders the ship to increase speed. So Anakin is now committed to this ramming plan. Uh, Ahsoka enters the system at this time. Martuk orders the cruisers destroyed. Anakin and Arc 2 escape in an escape pod. And Martuk also evacuates while the ship crashes into the control ship, destroying it. The frigates show up at this time as well. Ahsoka leads bombers against the remaining leaderless frigates because Martuk is gone, so the battle droids don't exactly know what to do. And Anakin watches from the pod as the frigates are destroyed. Wat Tambor calls in in the middle of the battle and asks to speak to Martuk. That about the battle droids say that he left. Wat Tambor realizes the blockade is broken. Now that the battle's won, Mace and Obi Wan show up with the ground invasion fleet. Obi Wan asks permission to begin the ground assault. And says he won't even ask why Anakin is in an escape pod and why he's missing two cruisers. Ahsoka <laughs> orders someone to pick up Anakin. The end. Yeah. I, I, Let's I, talk about this last battle before we get to the did you like it phase. I just like the fact that it's just like, oh, it's just a cruiser. It's like uh Let's get a battleship. <laughs> we could just get we can just get another one. <laughs> like how much did that thing cost? You know, how how much equipment was on there? Just like, they, like there, there's got to be like better battering rams. Um, it's a wild thing. I'm looking it up now. A, let's see, it's the defender he destroys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is, it is a kilometer long, half a kilometer wide. That is wild. And what's the crew complement of these things? Maybe I should just go to the. Kilometer long. They only had a thousand of them. So the Venator class Star Destroyers cost uh, 59 million credits <laughs> to build. <laughs> had a crew of 7,400. <laughs> it could hold up to 9,000, though. Uh, Do you have any comments or questions about the end battle? Uh, no. So I, I we talked we talked briefly about why. Um, Windu and Obi-Wan weren't there to begin with. And Wat Tambor does say that their forces are spread thin. I like to think that maybe there were two or three of these blockades happening. 
and they had two or three Jedi units trying to bust up blockades around planets, and Anakin succeeded, and so that's where they sent the ground troops when the other ones failed or hadn't succeeded yet. But who knows? That's a right. lot of credit. They also didn't, because I um, I started watching the other episode, and they have a different they have different ships. They don't have the Venators. Um, I don't know the name of the other class of ship that has the just the one uh, tower. I don't know either. So okay, I'll all right. Go over that next time. But that's a good thing. Flag for our next recording. All right, so let's just start with. Do you like it? Yeah, you like I, it? yeah. Overall, I I liked it. Um, now that uh, now that I know that it ties in with that uh, episode of Ahsoka, I really like it. Even I guess retroactively. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, nah, yeah, I was trying to think of something more profound, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. The fact, the fact that they didn't win, um, right away that they took heavy losses. Ahsoka had to get beat down, kind of just, she had to learn kind of the reality of war. Yeah, that, this episode def- definitely deals with something that they screwed over a lot which is the the cost of it right the cost of casualties and yeah so they deal a lot with the loss of life and what that's doing to ahsoka and it's not necessarily like an ahsoka grows up episode but it's it's more like like horrors of war sort of episode mm-hmm. they, they don't make apologies for ahsoka's behavior here other than her like reasserting herself as a commander yeah, she like lose kind of like she loses faith in herself. Um, right, and we see we see that theme carry forward through out Clone Wars with Ahsoka and into Ahsoka that she's not sure of her role here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so overall, I I do like it as well. I think I think it's actually sort of a fun um, battlefield. Like for, as far as the space battle is concerned, it's pretty pretty cool. Um. Do you want to move on to the fortune cookie? Yeah. So to remind everybody, the fortune cookie for this episode was, it is a rough robe that leads to the heights of greatness. Um, This is the only fortune cookie for this episode I could find. I couldn't find an alternative one, which is a little surprising because this thing underwent a huge rewrite. Um, But maybe they just didn't include that in the rewrite summaries. Um, So what do you think about this fortune cookie and whether or not it's applicable? I think it's applicable because... It's a rough road. Like as Ahsoka um, was able to overcome the loss of like her squadron, or at least most of the squadron, and and, and also like her fuck up also hurt Yularen and the uh, the ship. So um, she was over to she was able to overcome that to, and uh, help win the day by breaking the blockade. Yeah, I generally agree. I think I think this one is one of the more applicable ones we've come across. Um, if you're willing to concede that greatness um, means a good military leader, mm-hmm. which I guess in this context that is acceptable. War is not to make one great. <laughs> um. So yeah. Yeah. The. I mean, it's a little kind of glossed over, but. Like her, her coming to become a better like military leader. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's applicable. You don't get, you don't become a great uh, leader 
or like military leader just by constantly winning you have to or even i guess not even like leader just like you don't get to like whatever your field is you um you, you mean like mine is like engineering yours is um microbiology or somebody else's could be construction or lawyering or whatever lawyering <laughs> but you don't i do law good <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get there um you don't i mean it's not a straight path you to become like a really great one there's going to be times where it's going to suck hard for you and i think this they did a good job over, overall i mean glossed over but it's only they only have so much time yeah, I've never, I've never been in a situation where things were too hard to get done. So I'm kidding, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Or not hard enough, probably. Yeah. The, That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to trivia and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Let's... There's a lot of production stuff for this episode. Um. So, like I, I alluded to earlier, this. This episode basically got a really thorough rewrite. Um, there's a lot of weird production stuff in this episode, and it's always fun to come across this stuff. But basically, in the original, the first rewrite is in the original script. Anakin and Ahsoka both went out on the bombing run or the fighter, the V19 run in the beginning, um, and things go poorly. And when George Lucas saw the script, he said no, this is going to be an Ahsoka fucks up episode. Anakin needs to be on the bridge overlooking the battle, leaving Ahsoka to herself. And so that was the first major rewrite. Um, we'll get to the design stuff about the clones in a second. Uh, so the after they redid the episode um, with George's notes, Filoni said that he went back and made further changes to the story because it didn't it didn't seem like the script was putting enough responsibility on Ahsoka for the failure of the run, meaning Ahsoka wasn't wringing her hands enough, basically. And so they added a bunch of scenes, um, including that argument in the hangar and the clone that was hemming and hawing at her in the briefing, like further undermining her uh, confidence in herself. And so he added the maneuver that she talks about where they tilt the ship on its side to absorb the blast from the bottom. And in an inter interview, uh, Filoni says that he took that maneuver from the Heir to the Empire book by Timothy Zahn uh, as a tactic that Thrawn uses in in the book, and he calls it the Marg Sable move in the book. And I recently read this book because I was on a podcast that wanted to talk about it, and this is one of Thrawn's signature moves. And Dave Filoni was very excited in this interview talking about how he got to put this into a Clone Wars episode. I like this idea because I think we don't, like we're talking about the blockade, I think Star Trek and Star Wars and all of these science fiction shows do a shitty job at three dimensions. Everything mm -hmm. seems to be very planar. What did you think about this move? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, I mean, I guess I didn't fully understand what the real difference was, but I, just, I guess it just gave the ships a little bit more time to to get out, um, get out of the hangars. So I think, yeah, I was trying to understand the logic behind the tactic, 
and I think it's basically like showing your underbelly, it's like drawing the ships in close. They think they're going to have an opportunity to destroy it, and then the bombers get out. You might. Did you notice in the animation of the battle that the bombers weren't animated? They were just triangles? No, I didn't. Yeah, so in above the hollow table when she's describing, like, tilting the Star Destroyer on its side so the belly is facing, she shows a bunch of bombers leaving, and they're just triangles. Everything is animated but that. That is because all of this was added way late. Um... The other big change to the script is Martuk dies in the original script, um, but they thought he was too funny of a character, like too good of a character and too good of a villain. And so they wanted to give him an out so they could use him in later episodes. And so they wrote the escape and the conversation with Wat Tambor, where he says, like, I need to speak with Martuk. And they're like, uh, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But the funny thing is they never use him again. <laughs> So he only appears in this episode. I do like that he lives, though. Yeah, he's a he's interesting design. Um, he's wearing like kind of like almost like like sunglasses, and he's got like this weird thing on his so-called sunglasses, where it's just like blue on one side and red on the other, and it's just like when it shows him talking, it just randomly flips, does like a one eighty. This isn't in the notes, but I'm glad you brought it up. They didn't. They didn't animate that. So that little thing on his—it's like a. You described it well, but it's like a little thing hanging off of his glasses, like a almost like an antenna. Mm-hmm. And it spins. One side is blue. One side is red. That wasn't in any design or in any instruction um, for for the episode. And they had started using a South Korean animation studio to animate portions of the episodes at this point and it came back with they sent it with the blue with a little antenna with the blue thing mm-hmm. and it came back spinning red to blue red to blue mm-hmm. and the art department couldn't figure out why it was animated this way and they showed it to george and george was like sort of like it let's leave it in and they're like but it's not on the list of things that we wanted them to animate and so the art department is pretty sour about that little feature that <laughs> was like added. I don't know if you've ever watched um, sort of the audio commentary on the early Simpsons episodes, uh, like season one Simpsons episodes. No. So the Simpsons almost didn't happen because when they sent it off to be animated, the animators added jokes to the Simpsons episodes, like cereal spilling out of the box and getting everywhere and things like that things that weren't in the script and it came back we should just watch that sometime but it came back and the animators thought they had a lot more agency than they did and groaning and the writing staff basically said if it's not written down don't fucking animate it and they redid the first few episodes of the simpsons strictly to the script Wow. Without adding different gags by the animators. And those are the ones that were aired. These other episodes exist. And, like, Henry Shearer refuses. It's like the holiday special. Harry Shearer? Harry Shearer, what did I say? Henry. Oh, Harry Shearer, sorry. Like, he refuses to acknowledge that they exist. And there's, I'm pretty sure it's a commentary on one of the Simpsons DVDs. 
where they they start watching it and he leaves. Like he just gets up and walks out of the room. <laughs> because but it's like that. Like this this visual thing with his glasses was never intended to be in the show. And it was only in there because George thought it looked cool. Yeah, I can I can I can see like animators putting just tiny little things in there. Like little signature things just to kind of like um to say I did that. <laughs> yeah. But but nothing that would just be like be like be like insanely distracting. Like you could you could they could point out to their friends like like a little design or something. Like oh you know look like this if you look at it just right like Homer like like Homer's like hair and ears say MG like I could see somebody putting in like oh if you freeze it right here you can see my name in like the design of something. Um, or like, or like the pollen that Simba kicks up, spelling the word sex. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Mm. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to watch the. Uh, is is that the live action? No. One? I'm just gonna, <laughs> since, since you're talking about it, Lion King pollen sex images. It's pretty weak, but this is like a bullshit. Well, thing. I, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I had heard that like. In episode two, they were just running out of shapes for the um, asteroid belt. So, like, one of them is like, one, supposedly there's an asteroid in the shape of a cow. No, I think. Well, that, I haven't heard that. That's that might be true. But in, I think in Empire, one of the asteroids is a potato that was just like thrown across the screen. <laughs> Like just one of the things that's zooming by in the Falcon. I think one of them is a potato. But we should look up the cow thing because that just sounds like something from um, Twister. All right. Um, so since you talked about Martuk, uh, they did have a lot of design notes about Martuk. So he's the third Nemoidian they made. So uh, we recently talked about Lot Dirt, which was. Um, George Decay's fat Nemoidian on the Scottish lemur planet. We also had Newt Gunray in like um, the the episodes where they're trying to kill Padme and Jar Jar dresses up like a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, why can I never remember the uh, name of that episode? Bombad Jedi. Yeah. Bombad Jedi. Um. So they wanted another one, and the design came back from, once again, their overseas animators, and it looked exactly like um, New Gunray. Just had a different hat. And so the, the lead, uh, Gilroy, like the lead art department guy, he's like, this isn't going to stand. And so he redesigned Mark Martuk to look like Donald Rumsfeld, because um, he couldn't think of a bigger villain at the time. I can... <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and so like the fate, like the jaw, especially like the jaw and mouth. He like, he's, I spent a lot of time trying to make it look more like Donald Rumsfeld um, in a jaw and mouth. And so this is another great design. Another reason why I was glad he got away. And another reason why it's a shame they never used him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they spent a lot of time on Martuk's design when it came back from the outside uh, animation firm and uh, Martuk uh, was named after Dave Filoni's cat who was named Tuke at the time I don't know why but Dave Filoni made sure to say that in two interviews that Martuk was named after his cat I don't know if Dave's cat looks like Donald Rumsfeld or not but 
one of the interviews had a photo of a cat. It didn't look like anything like Donald. So <laughs> just a few other notes. I'll stop talking soon, I promise. Um, the clone squadron in the V-19s, they all had lotus flowers on their helmets of different designs. The art team really loved these designs and thought it was a shame they all got killed. Um, so they didn't get to use them again. And this in this episode, Wat Tambor is referred to as an Amir. It's the first time that title is used in a Star Wars property. So there's all of that. Yeah. <laughs> there's other there's other little trivia things in it. Some of the dropships in the background are have nose cone art that we've talked about before, most, mostly sexy um, Twi'leks. Um, writing bombs and things. But we're going to continue this arc uh, if I don't roll a one on the die in a few minutes. We'll continue this arc next week with more stuff on Ryloth. There are a couple of flubs, though, animation flubs. I do want to, I don't want to spend very much more time because I'm talking a lot in this episode. It happens. Um, but there are two animation mistakes. So we're still making animation mistakes, and like I said, at this point, they're sort of outsourcing some of this to save money, and the animation mistakes are carrying through. Um, before I move on, do you have any questions about trivia? Uh, no. There, there is one thing I wanted to to mention. Is it, is it the link? Um, there, there's a bunch of... It's not a cow. It's a, it's a shock. Oh. Cool. That's awesome. Well, I love that. So the asteroid in episode two is a shock. The the thing that Peppy Bo is hurting and the thing that Anakin rides in episode two. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing I wanted to mention is that she's called commander Ahsoka, Ahsoka or just commander. I swear sometimes they call her just Ahsoka. They don't refer to her by her last name. Oh yeah. That's a good point. This is commander Skywalker, general Skywalker. And then it's commander Ahsoka. Yes, I thought that was just first season, so they're still kind of figuring stuff out. So I thought that was, I thought that was a neat little, um, neat little fact, I guess. They, they have they used her last name at this point? Um, Surely. Yeah, like when they introduced her. Okay. It might be one of those things where I'm, I'm not sure we had this theory on on the podcast before, but you and I have talked about it where there's this sort of plot hole in star Wars where it's like, why is Luke named Luke Skywalker? Right. If he's, if you're hiding him and why would you keep his last name? Mm-hmm. And I pointed out, do you remember this conversation like years ago when I pointed out that he actually doesn't use the name Skywalker until he learns that Anakin Skywalker is his father. Right. Yeah. And so he never refers to himself as Luke Skywalker in a new hope until after he learns that Anakin Skywalker is his father um, from Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. So, so I was, I was trying to think if, if they'd use, if they hadn't used Ahsoka Tano's name, maybe they hadn't nailed down her name, but they have, I, I, I recall now they have used her last name at this point. This whole theory was undermined by um, our intro and outro <laughs> performer, Jordan who decided to put in the Star Wars comic series that he was the chief editor, that uh, Luke, a.k.a. Wormy, knew his name was Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was emailing 
Jordan at the time saying he ruined my head cannon that Luke did not know his name was last name was Skywalker. He was Luke Lars up until that point. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now Skywalker just has to be it's just a uh, it's like Smith or uh, Jones. So there in the Kenobi book in the non-canon Kenobi book uh, where Kenobi's living on Tatooine watching after young Luke uh, you you have to the other thing is like why would you change your name from Obi-Wan to Ben Kenobi and how could you hide in that book there's a whole scene where a group of people can't remember the spelling of Kenobi and I guess that the universe is just so vast that there's a hundred different kinds of Kenobis right and so mm-hmm. you can hide in plain sight that way and they weren't sure like if his last name was Kenobi or his first name was Kenobi or whatever or if it was these Kenobis, or if his name was actually Kenarby, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody was paying close enough attention. All right, what do we do next? We do rating? Do you want to move on to the rating? Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> now's the time where we rate an episode. We uh, rate episodes by a Star Wars character. So a really good episode would have a, uh original trilogy character, uh, Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc., and a... Really bad episode would just have some character that is just awful or just could be removed from Star Wars completely and nobody would miss them. So, Matt, what would you give this episode? I don't know if I've used them before, but I'm going to give them Huang. I, I just I think we're, we're starting a really cool arc. It's got connections to um, the EU, the old EU, the old continuity. It's just a really solid episode. And tying it back into Ahsoka, like the live-action Ahsoka series, I was so excited uh, about that today. And I, I think I might watch, just watch episode five after this uh, recording tonight, because I, I, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. Uh, so I'm going to go with Huang. How about you? Huang? Okay. You know what? It's um, It was a good show. Uh, or sorry. It was a good episode. I tried. The message was... Fairly clear. They tried. They really tried to hit and hit into like the the horrors of uh, war. So I'm going to give this one. Um, oh sh- shoot! What? Um, I'll give this one an Iden Versio. Nice. The boy and I have been playing Battlefront lately, so I love Iden. Mm-hmm. But Battlefront Two, I should say. Yeah. I love, I love Iden. There's a. Um, have you have you how, uh, have you gotten to Shriv yet? Yeah, yeah, that's a great character. I, w- I wish there would be there was more of him. Agreed. I I I, I think that they did that game so well. Mm-hmm. Such a good game. All right, now that we're done with the rating, do you want to move on to the die roll? Yeah, let's do it. We we'll let the fate decide. Huh? I just happen to have a chance cube here. Blue, it's the boy. Red. His mother. All right. So if uh, so, at the end of every one of our Clone Wars episode, I roll a die, a d20, and if a one comes up, the next episode we review is an episode from the 1985 series Ewoks. And if any other number comes up, we review the next episode in Clone War in the Clone Wars continuity, which in this case is called Innocence on Ryloth. That is a good episode because I think that's the episode with the little girl. Is it? Um. I think so. Okay. Ready? 
to it. I am rolling the die. I got an 11. Got an 11 last time. I filmed it, so if you want to know, I can send you the, the link. We have a 5% chance of rolling an 11 every time. Oh, here's the die. I'll roll the other die, too. Rolled an 11 on that die. And this die, I rolled a 2. So, an 11 and a 2. Um, but I filmed me rolling the yellow die. I'll just text you the, the film since you seem to think it's not possible. Kidding. I'm, I know you know math. <laughs> but there you go. Alright, so the next episode we are reviewing is Innocence on Ryloth. You want to play us out? Cool. All right. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun 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 d